uh, Uncle John, Aunt Sally telling you to, you know, you know, open one credit card, just use it, pay it off at the end of the month, you know, and you have your $500 credit line and you're maxing out, you're spending $480 and then you just wait till the end of the month to pay it. It's actually hurting your score as much as missing a payment. How many credit cards do you have right now? 200? Do you have I your have stack of credit cards? Right now. I actually don't. I left it in Vegas. He left it in Vegas. He's been traveling the world. He's 20 years old. He dropped out of Stanford and he just has been building businesses. Got over a million dollars with the credit line. And did all this in like a year. So we're going to show you cash back rewards, free travel. He, where are you staying at right now? Uh, I'm staying at the Marriott Marquis in Chicago. Marriott Marquis in Chicago is live streaming in here. For those of you who don't have good credit or have average credit, this is an area they should have taught us in school. Like, it's obvious. Here's the thing people don't realize. If your credit sucks, you're going to pay way too much for your car because if you get a payment on it, the interest rate's going to be too high. If you buy a house, you're going to literally spend, like if you buy a $200,000 house and your credit isn't good, you'll probably spend an extra $400,000, $300,000 over a 30-year mortgage compared to if you had good credit. So that's one reason. Number two, it's a pain in the butt when you don't have good credit because now they check your credit when you apply for a job. They check your credit when you apply for an apartment. They check your credit sometimes if you want to do a business partnership or an investment, people are going to check your credit. And then obviously anything you try to buy, all the credit cards, Visa, MasterCard, Amex. He's got an Amex black card. I've got an Amex black card. And, you know, it's helpful to have those. Garrett Sissom on Twitter says the world's based on credit. That is correct. The world is, <laughs> credit is huge. Ryan, how do we get an Amex black card? Maybe you'll talk a little bit about that, Steven. That's a ninja trick. You've got to build up to the black card, but he got a black card in the first year, which is crazy. Somebody, uh, Yvonne Steinman says, what is the best credit card? You're going to talk about that. It depends if you're a student, depends if it's your first time, depends on how many credit cards you have, but he's going to go through some specific names. Ryan Eng says, how do you raise your credit? We've got a couple websites you can use. One of them's from the government. You can literally go on there today and start repairing your credit. So we're going to give you a ton of free info. And then if you want to go on the premium eight-week mentorship coaching program where we'll help you hold your hand step-by-step do it. Somebody said the best credit card is Bitcoin. Not quite, not quite yet. But Bitcoin is getting there slowly but surely. But uh, not quite. David Dalby said he has a 508 score. He wants to get it to 650. Yours was like at 500 to start, right? Mine was uh, 558. His was 558. And now, what what is it now? 750? The high, I hit 790. And then I got a few hard inquiries. So right now, it's hovering right around 780. He's a 780 right now. Someone says, how do you increase credit if it's 700? Well, that's what mine, mine, I've had, you know, when I started out, I remember my credit was like four or 500, raised it up to, in the 600s, raised it up at the sevens. And now I've gotten mine over 800. It bounces around a little bit. But if I had known this stuff, if they had taught this in school, if there had been a class in high school or junior high or college, man, think of how much that would have changed your life, my life. So that's why I'm doing this free live call So there's a lot of info you're going to get for free. Do hard inquiries hurt? If so, how hard? So one of the things about credit, there's there's like a pie graph of what affects your credit score. 
So there's inquiries are part of it, but not all of it. Your, your balances matter. The, the variety of credit lines you have, it actually helps you to have different types of credit lines. It's actually good to have a car, to have a, you know, um, maybe even like a merchant type one, something with Best Buy, things like that. So there's a lot of techniques like that. Somebody said renting that Airbnb. Some people still think this place is an Airbnb. Um, no, renting on Airbnb ain't going to help you. No. But PayPal, you could get a PayPal credit line. You can get a secure credit line at your bank, stuff like that. And we'll talk about even if you don't. Somebody said their credit score is 300. It's probably not 300. I think this person's dramatic. Can it go to 300? I don't think it can go to 300, can it? I think the lowest, if you get to like 450, you're, you're doing a lot of things wrong. You have to really try to get Yeah, you have to try to get that bad credit. All right, so I'm going to go in a few minutes, and I'm going to let, I want you to pay attention. This is part of my 300, taking 300 people from rags to riches, teaching people different things you need to know, social media, real estate, e-commerce, selling things online, cryptocurrency. Credit is another one of those things that's very important to me for people who are wanting to learn. You know, nobody knows, I posted on my Twitter, nobody knows anything, and there's a lot of truth to that. The world, I don't have all the answers, right? So I'm just sharing with you the things that from my life experience and other people, smart people's life experience, we don't have all the answers. Somebody said, Ty, my score is 794, is that good? That is good, but now you gotta ask yourself, do you have the right credit cards? Are you getting them without having to pay annual fees? There's all kinds of, so you could actually have, we're gonna be talking about things if you have good credit or bad credit. There's things you must learn. Somebody said, nice Star Trek jacket. Thank you. I was handed this by Dr. Spock. That was his last dying wish, was to give me this jacket. Okay, let's have Steven. Steven's gonna take it away. 20 years old, credit card guru wizard, you'll see. I'm gonna teach you whether you're a beginner or advanced, all kinds of stuff. I guarantee you don't know this stuff, okay? Take it away, Steven. All right, see you later, Ty. See you, man. All right, so uh, we're going to start this call off super, super basic, and then we're going to get progressive more and more advanced uh, throughout the course or just throughout the live call. I mean, we can kind of do a little walkthrough right now. I think one of the first things that, you know, that the school system teaches that's wrong or, like, you know, you hear misinformation is that checking your credit hurts your credit. And so there's a difference between something called a hard inquiry and a soft inquiry, and we'll get to that and how it impacts your credit. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
the first thing you want to do is you want to know where your credit score is. You want to know the health of your credit, right? Some people say like, oh, I don't want to check my credit it's going to hurt it. But if you don't know where your credit is, then how are you going to even know if it's hurting or not? So just to you know debunk the myth, checking your credit for your own personal use does not hurt your credit score. Um, so one thing that all of you guys can do right now, um, if you're advanced, you know, just keep on listening. If you're a beginner, go to creditkarma.com and sign up for an account. It's going to ask you for your social security. It's going to ask you to answer some personal questions and it's free. Every seven days you get a brand new, like updated credit report from TransUnion and Experian, uh, no, and from Equifax. So there's three major credit bureaus. They report, um, the same thing essentially. Sometimes one bureau will report a little bit uh, different thing, like say, like, you know, you open a credit card from Best Buy, it may appear on your TransUnion, and then it may take three or four months to appear on your Equifax. So what, like, what Credit Karma does, it gives you two different reports, the Equifax and the TransUnion. So it gets you a better picture to see like, all right, cool. So um, TransUnion is reporting accurately and Equifax is just kind of lagging behind. And so the first thing what you want to do, if you're on, if you're watching on your phone, grab your laptop. If you're watching on your laptop, grab your phone, download Credit Karma from the App Store or go to creditkarma.com. Um, and so sign up for you guys just a couple minutes to do that. And so like while, while you're going through this, it's just very basic. Create an account. If you've already like, you know, worked like and watched some of these live calls already before, then you probably already have a Credit Karma. If you don't, uh, then, you know, follow along, open a Credit Karma account. So for those that already have a Credit Karma account and for those that are in the process of making one, uh, we're gonna quickly talk about the difference between credit scores. Because you always hear about credit scores. Um, one of the things is that there's actually two kinds of credit scores. There's the Vantage score and then there's the FICO score. Uh, so what Vantage score is, it's the one that uh, Credit Karma provides and all those free credit score sites, they provide something called a Vantage score. Those are generally free scores that uh, people um, get from you know a variety of things. Basically, what Vantage Score does it's uh, it's a slightly less accurate score, in my opinion, because it gives you a good idea of where your score is. But then, when you actually apply for a credit card or apply for a loan or apply for something, most of the time they look at something called a FICO score. And FICO scores generally are not free unless if you have a credit card that gives you your FICO score for free. But beyond that, I don't think that you should be very worried about Vantage score versus FICO score. Um, you could have an 800 FICO score with only one credit card. And uh, another credit report would also have an 800 credit score. And they could have uh, like, you know, 25 credit cards. And the person that's going to end up getting the better like deal or the higher credit line or the uh, better interest rates or, you know, the better mortgage is going to be the person with more credit lines even though they have the exact same credit score. So the credit score doesn't matter as much as the meat of the report. The other thing is if you want to know the scale, um, I actually don't know what the low of, low of it is, but the highest score that you can possibly get is 850. So 850 is a perfect credit score. Um, and then we're going to quickly talk about what, uh, what constitutes an 850 score, like what you have to do to get to an 850. So if you've already downloaded Credit Karma, if you're looking at it right now, um, go ahead and just open up, tap one of the scores. So you can tap on TransUnion or you can tap on Equifax. Um, you can go down and you can see something called credit factors. Uh, there'll be a little six blocks. Uh, I would write on the board if I could, if I'm over there. But I'm going to try and help you guys visualize this. Imagine like a little pie. The first thing that most people think 
that affects their credit score is payment history. You know, you're making on-time payments. If you pay on time, then you have a good payment history. Don't miss a payment and your score is good. Like that's very easy right there. That counts for 30% of your credit score. Second thing is, is this is where a lot of you guys probably ding up your credit score. Um, a lot of things, you know, the school system doesn't teach us. You hear rumors, your uncle tells you something, your friend tells you something. Hey, just use as much of your credit as possible. As long as you pay it off at the end of the month, you're good. 100% uh, false. What you need to do is there's something called credit card utilization. And so the best way to put it is say you have a $1,000 credit line. $1,000 credit line, if you do it, if you spend $100, you're using 10% of your total credit line. You're spending $500, you're using 50% of your total credit line. You want to keep your credit card utilization under 9%. So, you know, uh, Uncle John, Aunt Sally telling you to, you know, you know, open one credit card and just use it, pay it off at the end of the month, you know, and you have your $500 credit line and you're maxing out, you're spending $480 and then you just wait till the end of the month to pay it. It's actually hurting your score as much as missing a payment. And I'm going to repeat that. It's hurting your score as much as missing a payment. Like if you just ignore, um, you know, a bill and you just don't pay it, that's how badly it hurts it. So if you're, you know, if you have a thousand dollar credit line and you're spending $940 and then you pay it off, you may have paid it on time, but your utilization is like 90% and that's really bad. It hurts your credit score. So how do you get around that? Say, you know, you open a credit card and you have $500 or a thousand dollar limit and you're trying to spend $3,000. So what you can do is pay it off Treat it like a debit card. So if you have a $500 credit card, spend $30, pay it off immediately. Just pay off $30. Don't wait till the end of the month. Don't wait till the end of the uh, statement period. Just pay off $30, and then you're good to go. Um, and then you know you go out, you buy some McDonald's, $12 there. Cool. Pay off $12. Go buy yourself a TV for $300. All right, cool. Pay it off $300. Um, so when your bill comes, it should always just say zero. And the bill is what actually gets reported to the credit bureau. So, you know, you could have spent $100,000 in the month and you had a $500 credit limit um, and your bill could be zero. And that's, get, is what end up, that's what ends up getting reported to the bureau. So, you know, quick tip for you guys right there. If you've never really been handling credit, pay it off immediately before the statement ever hits. Pay it off. Make it a Like every time you spend money. Just pretend you're like treating it like a debit card. Just transfer money immediately from your bank account over to it. Good rule of thumb, don't spend money that you don't have. Right? I have a $3 million credit line. I do not spend anything like I have $3 million in my bank. Right? So I have $3 million. If I only have $10 in my bank account, I'm only spending $10. If you have a billion-dollar line of credit and you only have $10, guess what? You're only spending $10 because if you cannot figure out a way to pay it back, interest is going to kill you. Missed payments is going to kill you and, you know, not being able to hit. And then the utilization will kill you because the interest rate stacks up and builds and then your utilization. Up. So, you know, good rule of thumb, spend money that you only money that you have physically in your bank account, not, hey, I'm going to get a paycheck next week. So I'm going to go ahead and spend more and then uh, just pay it off for my paycheck. It's a really bad habit to get into. The third thing, it's uh, derogatory marks. So derogatory marks, it's after you miss a payment and then you continuously miss a payment and then it gets sent to collections. When it gets sent to collections, uh, that's what that's when, you know, it gets sent to collections and that's when you get hit with a derogatory mark. Derogatory marks, just as bad. Hurts your score just as bad as, you know, having high utilization or missing a payment history or just missing a payment. So payment history and derogatory marks kind of go hand in hand. Uh, if you're wondering where I'm getting these terms from, 
they're literally on Credit Karma. You go to Credit Karma and it literally tells you, you know, like credit card utilization, derogatory marks, payment history. These are all things that affect your credit. Um, and it's free. doesn't hurt your credit score. Um, I mean, I'm not repping Credit Karma at all. I'm just telling you guys, this is the site that I use to check my credit report where I know, you know, with, if something ever gets reported, that's not supposed to be there. I know immediately because it's always updating and pulling uh, new reports from TransUnion and Equifax. Um, and if you're wondering how to see your Experian, which is your third credit report, go to Experian.com. They give it to you for free. They won't give you a credit score, but they'll give you the report, which you can at least know, like, you know, what's happening on your credit report. You won't know the score, but you'll at least know, you know, the meat of it. And that's the most important part. So then we have the age of credit history. Age of credit history isn't as high of an impact. It's more of a medium impact thing. Can't really improve it. Can't really help it. Um, unless you don't have a credit card. If you don't have a credit card, this thing is probably going, is hurting you right now because the age of credit history is how long your oldest account is. And then it's the average of the oldest account and then all your other accounts together. So uh, my average, my age of credit history is one year and one month. So total, my oldest account is only a year and one month old. Actually, no, that's not true. My oldest account is my oldest account is coming on to two years. So it's one year and eight months. So the average age, there's two things you have to worry about. So there's your average age and then your oldest account. So to give you an idea, if you open a credit card today and then you wait a year, then your oldest account is one year old. And then a year from now, if you open a second credit card, your average age becomes six months because it's the average of one year and zero because you just opened a new account a year from now, which will be zero years old, and then you have a credit card that's one year old, six months. You want to have an average age that's longer than nine years. So getting an 850 credit score is extremely difficult because it's not just you do all the things right. You also have to wait 10 years. You have to wait nine, nine years or more. So getting an 850 isn't a reasonable expectation. It's a very patient thing to do. It's a very, and that's the thing. Credit is something that you don't just do for, you know, three months or six months or a year. Like, Oh, like I'm getting super into credit. It's something that you're going to keep with all your life until the day you die, because you're always going to need credit, whether you're, you know, using credit to get a car, you're using credit to get a house or you're using credit to start a business, whether you take out a business line of credit and take it as a personal guarantee. So, you know, you have to have good credit to have open your first few lines of business credit. Uh, if you don't have good personal credit, then, you know, you can't open your business credit. So don't think of credit as a way to make money. Think of it as a tool to do anything else in the world, right? Between your personal life, between business, all things are important here. And then you have your total accounts. Total accounts, you actually want to have more than 21 lines of credit being reported. So uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily a line of credit, but it has to be an account. So what that means is uh, if you have uh, you know, a car loan, if you have a mortgage, and then you have like you know, seven credit cards, and then you have a utility bill, and then your, your internet, all these things added together, you should have 21 or more accounts. And you know, a lot of people say like, oh, don't open a lot of credit cards, it hurts your credit score. Um, let's look at the two factors that we just talked about, or the other few factors that we just talked about. Um, correlation does not imply causation. So you know, opening a credit card may seem like it's hurting your credit score. In reality, all it's doing is one, it decreases your average age of credit, but you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago because you know, if you open a credit card 20 years ago, you would have a 20 year average age of credit. So the next best time to plant a tree is now. So you want to open as many credit cards as you are now 
if you aren't planning to get a mortgage, if you're not trying to do something big with your credit, so that you know, in three, four, five years, those credit cards that you open today are three, four, five years old, helping support the rest of your credit report. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, when you open a credit card, it gets, it, you get things with a hard increase. So this is this what we were talking about earlier. Checking your uh, credit report does not hurt your credit score if it's for yourself. You know, if it's just it's under the FCRA, it's a it's Fair Credit Reporting Act. It's your own in your own right to be able to know what your credit is. It's a law. So go to Credit Karma, go to Equifax, go to Experian, go to TransUnion, uh, go to Free Annual Credit Report. Uh, I think that's the site, FreeAnnualCreditReport.com. All of these things they they give you your credit report free. Doesn't hurt your credit score. What does hurt your credit score is when you're actively seeking credit and checking your credit report for that. So when you apply for, you know, a Chase card or when you apply for a, you know, a loan or a car loan or a mortgage, that results in a hard inquiry because you're actively seeking for credit. You're actively trying to borrow money. And when that happens, you get things with a hard inquiry. Hard inquiries, you know, Uncle John and Sally tells you, hey, you gotta, you gotta you know, be careful to open credit cards because it hurts you. And they emphasize on the hard inquiries when we just talked about, you know, credit card utilization actually hurts you more than anything else. And that's what is going down a lot of people's credit scores. Hard inquiries fall off after a year. After a year, they don't hurt your credit score anymore. And the, at most, they only ding your scores like five to six points versus high credit card utilization could drop your score by like 50 points. So again, it's just a lot of misinformation being spread around the generation before us, before me. They were terrified of credit, so you know they created this like this fear mentality of just not touching credit and thinking that if I don't touch my credit, it's going to be good, right? And in actuality, it hurts your credit a lot more than it helps. So best thing to do if you're watching this right now, go ahead, go open a Credit Karma account, go at least check, know where your credit is, because at least you know where you're starting from and you can make a game plan from there and moving forward, right? Because we don't even know where you're starting from. How can you set, possibly set any credit goals for yourself? There's something called the Chase 5 and 24 rule. So if you're trying to figure out what cards to get, um, I'm going to start with the people with below average credit. So if you're below average credit, you probably can't get Chase cards. Uh, Chase is generally a pretty solid bank, and it's a harder bank to get cards approved for. So if you don't have good credit, and this is anyone under 620 credit score, if you're starting from there, or if you're a student and you just turned 18, you want to get secured credit cards. Secured credit card just means that it's like a debit card. You pay them $500 and they give you a $500 line of credit. It's kind of weird, but that's just how it works. And then it allows you to build your credit without any risk to the bank. And they still report it to your credit, uh, to your credit bureau like a normal credit card. So that's one way to start building your credit. Second kind of card is getting an authorized user. So for example, you know, mom and dad, uh, have a good credit and they've had it for 10, 15, 20 years, they add you as an authorized user, you inherit that 20 year credit history. Immediately will bump your score 20, 30, 40, even 50 points. Obviously, you know, mom and dad or whoever, anybody can add you as an authorized user. Obviously, they have to let you, you know, they have to be okay with adding you as an authorized user to their credit report. So, one thing that I, uh, when I started, one thing that I always would say is like, hey, just add me as an authorized user. And then have the card delivered to your house. And then when you get the card, just cut it in half. I never get to touch the card. All I want is to inherit some of that good credit history so that I can start building it. So, you know, surefire way to get 
uh, a quick boost on your credit, find somebody with good credit and have them add you to their credit uh, credit card. This also works for people under 18. So, you know, you have to be 18 to legally sign a contract, but it doesn't say you have to be 18 to have a credit card. So you could be 14 and have your parents add you as an authorized user to your credit card and you can start building credit when you're 14. Obviously, your parents have to trust you and then there's that convincing and stuff. So I don't expect that to be the case for a lot of you guys. But if you're young, if you're a young hustler and you're trying to build your credit right now, find people to add you as an authorized user. You'd be amazed when you come out when you're 18, you'll have like a 760 credit score. And then the third way is if you're a student, if you're either a senior in high school or you're freshman in college and you, you actually have an EDU email, cards like the Discover It's student card allows you to basically get a free credit card just like that without doing any legwork. They basically give you $20 for an A just being a student and it's an, it was my first credit card. My first credit card was not Chase. It was nothing flashy. It was a Discover It's student Chrome card. Um, so if you guys want to go look into that, easy way to get it. So we've talked about you know people with below average or not as good credit score. For the people that have you know average credit scores, 620 above, 630, 640, 650, um, all the way up, there's something called the Chase 5 and 24 rule. The Chase 5 and 24 rule it only applies to Chase cards. And what it means is that if you have gotten more than five cards in the past 24 months, you cannot get certain Chase cards. So this includes all other banks. So if you know if you have five American Express cards, those count towards that five. And so if you've gotten five cards in the past 24 months, you cannot get some of these Chase cards. Uh, these Chase cards include the Chase Sapphire Preferred, if you're taking notes, Chase Sapphire Reserve, the Chase Inc. Uh, cash, the Inc. Preferred, uh, the Chase Marriott Personal card, uh, the Chase United uh, Mileage Plus card, the Chase Southwest card. These are all cards that um, they have really good sign-up bonuses. They allow you to travel for free um, if you hit the sign-up bonuses. Uh, it gets you a lot of cash back, but you can't get them if you've had more than five cards open in the past 24 months. So, you know, if you're new to credit and you don't, you only have like one or two credit cards, take advantage of it. And this is, goes to what that guy was asking um, that question after getting this Chase Sapphire preferred, what should you get? So the first card I would recommend if you don't have any card, get the Chase Freedom, Freedom Unlimited. Both of those are five and 24 cards and you get $150 uh, after spending $500. So. 150 bucks after spending $500, easy money right there. And if you um, if you buy cash equivalents, uh, which is something that we teach in the course called Manufacturer Spending, can't go super into it, or else it wouldn't be fair to the people that actually bought into the course. There are methods for you to purchase uh, cash equivalents and use those cash equivalents to pay off your credit card. And so you essentially it's legal money laundering. You buy a cash equivalent, you use the cash equivalent to pay off the credit card, and then you need this uh, sign-up bonus because it says spend $500, which you did, and you paid off $500 with the cash equivalent that you bought, and then you pocket the $150. Um, and then you can do this on, at scale with bigger cards too, so you can get you know $1,000 sign-up bonuses. Like uh, a while ago, the Chase Sapphire Reserve had a 100,000-point sign-up bonus, which means that's equivalent to $1,000. So people were, you know, spending, I think it was like spending three or four thousand dollars without actually spending three or four thousand dollars and then walking away with basically a thousand dollars cash. Easy money right there. Or, you know, a hundred thousand UR points you can uh, convert it into travel and you can use as travel reward points and you know use that to travel for free. 
uh, which actually, if you want to see all of this in process, go uh, hit me up on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Laostep, L-I-A-O-S-T-E-P. Um, I generally will respond to some DMs on there if you guys want to see you know, the travel lifestyle. Um, I've somehow climbed my way up always flying private jets for free, staying at Ritz-Carlton's five-star hotel. So I occasionally will show behind the scenes on like how I do this. Um, and then I'm even more intimate with you guys on Snapchat. So if you guys add me, Stephen Lau, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-I-A-O on Snapchat, um, I will post like, you know, me going to the store uh, and doing these manufacturer spending techniques. Obviously not the full picture, but you can see how I'm doing it, the hustle on how I'm putting in the work and then getting this ROI back in terms of, you know, 20 million travel points, travel miles. Um, all of these things added together allowed me to travel for free for the past year, actually more than a year. Um, how I rent Mercedes, how I rent Porsches for basically nothing. How I stay in hotels for less than $10 a night um, and then getting upgraded to a presidential suite with 5,000 square feet. Going to Vegas and getting comped. How I do all of this. Um, so. I, I kind of show you the behind the scenes on my social media, but then we really dive into the nitty gritty on the course. What is the lowest credit score to get rewards, travel, or gift cards? Um, the lowest credit score I would advise to even focus on getting free travel or getting cash back like cards. Uh, I would say make sure you have at least like a 620, 610 or 620, somewhere above there. If you're above there, you may not be able to get like the premium cards like the Sapphire Reserve or the Amex Platinum card. I don't even know if I have that sitting around here somewhere. I might. Uh, let's see. Just to give you guys an example and show you uh, what it is. And then after I show you my cards, I'll show you guys some of the students that are in the courses and what they've gotten. So like these are like the Platinum cards. I have a few of them with me right here. They're just metal cards. Uh, annual fee, $550. But in the course, we also teach you um, you know, you have, you pay a $550 annual fee, but how can you actually get that $550 back in terms of value, right? Some of the sign up bonuses is well worth over a thousand dollars. Um, and then plus it gives you airline credit so you can buy air tickets with it. Um, it gives you global entry. So if you're following me on Snapchat or you're on Instagram, you see me, you know, bypassing all the TSA lines, just walking straight through. I got that for free through these cards right here. So yeah, I mean, to answer the question, make sure you have at least like a 610, 620. If you're not there yet, start building, start figuring out why your score isn't at 620 because everybody should start there. So if you're not starting there, then it's probably because you have some kind of negative remarks on your report and either go through CFPB or if you're in deep doo-doo, like you've went through a bankruptcy, this course isn't for you if you're going through bankruptcy. Um, I'm just telling you that if you're going through bankruptcy, this course is not going to be able to get you out of that. But, you know, if you just missed a few pay payments here and there, this course is for you. We can still help you. We can still, like, figure out, all right, cool. So you go through CFPB. We can give you advice on how to approach this and hopefully get, uh, get some of the negative remarks removed. Uh, can creditors see past credit utilization history of, like, 40%, even though now it's, like, uh, lower at 9%? Yes and no. So past credit utilization isn't weighted as heavily and it doesn't show up uh, per se, but creditors can still pull old reports. They can still see old reports um, and see it, it basically they look at your most recent utilization. That's all that matters. Um, but they can still see what your old utilizations were, but does not impact your score as much.
Marilla Martinez on YouTube asked, what credit cards are the best to have? I've never had a credit card before. Is that, is that too broad or is it, you know, case by case? It's a case by case. So it goes back to our four pillars in terms of what kind of credit cards you want. If you want travel cards, uh, we were talking earlier, some of the chase cards that you want is like the Sapphire Preferred, Sapphire Reserved, the United Mileage Plus card, the Southwest card. Um, those are cards that you want to get if you're aiming for travel. If you're aiming for cash back, there's cards like, you know, the Alliant credit card. Um, if you're from Chicago, you know, who, like it's the Alliant credit union. They have a card that gets you 3% cash back, which, you know, that's the highest earning cash back. It's 3% all around cash back. Um, there's, you know, cards that earn 5% cash back on gas. There's cards, if you're in the social media marketing uh, agency program, and there's, there's cards that earn 6% cash back on social media ads, like advertisement on social media. So, you know, maximizing your cash back, that's a 6% like discount right there. So, you know, it all depends in terms of what's the best card to get because it depends on what your goal is. You have any other questions? I have 22K in credit card debt. Is there a way to shift debt around to get rewards on different credit cards to help with paying down the debt? There's not, but if you are 22K in debt, or if any of you guys are in debt, I highly suggest looking into the city, I think it's the city simplicity. Um, and then there's a couple other cards. Let me quickly find this real quick. Yeah, so one of the cards is the city simplicity card and it allows you to balance transfer your debt. So if you have 22,000 and then you open a city simplicity, they give you 5,000 line of credit. You can shift over 5,000 of that debt over to city simplicity and you get 24 months of no interest. It allows you to at least you know, you owe money, but you can pay the minimum balance and not get, you know, absolutely destroyed with 22% interest. Um, so City Simplicity, Chase Slate is another one of those. I think the Bank America card is. Uh, America, no, no uh, interest. So the other card is, yeah, the Bank of America, Bank America card. That's another one without any interest. So not necessarily to earn rewards, but at least you're not paying 22% interest on $22,000. Does that make sense? We're going to talk about what happens, you know, when you apply for one of these cards that you, you really want, you know, we talked about Sapphire Preferred, the Reserve, um, some of these top tier travel cards and top tier cash cards, cash back cards. What happens when you get denied? There's something called a reconsideration line. Um, reconsideration line, is basically you calling in to humanize your credit reports. You adding in another element to your credit report. It's no longer just, hey, my name's Stephen Lau and my credit score is 760 and I have da 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 on my credit report. It's, hey, my name's Stephen Lau. I'm a hardworking student at Stanford, or I'm not anymore. But you know, if it's if you're a hardworking student or you know you're a hardworking employee, you work for this company, you work 40 hours a week. Da da da. It's you to sell yourself and tell them it's basically humanizing the conversation. And so in the course, we actually go over, we build together these scripts where, you know, you talk and I'll, I'll even do one of these live calls probably in the next couple of weeks where I, perp I try and get denied for a card and then I'll call in just to show you guys how I handle it. And some of the things that you can say to these, uh, to these underwriters, uh, uh, these underwriting teams. Another thing is like, you know, you call in the reconsideration, you still get denied. There's something called hookah. It's H-U-C-A. That's hang up, call again. So hang up, call again. It's, uh, it's not the hookah you smoke. It's the hookah, the acronym. So hopefully you remember that. 
Uh, you can ju- you can use that not just for calling in reconsideration. It's honestly just anything with a lot of employees that you know you can just hang up and call in and get a different employee. Because sometimes all it takes is getting a, a different employee or a different underwriter staff to be able to look at you and look at your uh, credit report and then get you the decision you actually want, which is obviously an approval. Um, yeah. So the last thing that I want to touch up on is uh, we kind of went over it a little bit as manufactured spending. Uh, can't dive into too deep because it's one of the more secretive things and we really can't open this course up to everybody because a lot of these secrets, if it gets out, then you know these credit card companies come in and start shutting down all these secrets and it's just, you know, it's not it's not fair to all the all the other people. So we actually will put a cap on this. We cannot we physically cannot share this information with everybody because if we share it with everybody then it's not a secret and then you know all this stuff gets shut down. But some of these things that we talk about, manufactured spending, how to purchase a cash equivalent, you know, you see these uh, credit cards say like, oh, spend five thousand dollars and you get a thousand dollars back, or spend five thousand and get two thousand dollars back. All these kind of bonuses. How do you spend five thousand when you know you barely make like three hundred dollars a week? Well, it's really hard to do that. But with manufactured spending, these kind of techniques, you can go purchase cash equivalents, purchasing cash equivalents to use those cash equivalents to pay off the credit card that you just bought it with. But in that process, you met the minimum spend because you spent five thousand dollars or whatever, and then you pocket the two thousand or one thousand dollar cash that you just got from the sign up bonus. And so, essentially, it, we're going to talk a little bit about business, and then after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head out. Um, do some quick Q and A's before heading out. Um, one of the things is um, for business. There's two kinds of cards that you guys might want to look into. One is the no interest twenty four month cards. It's the same cards that I talked about earlier if you're doing a balance transfer because you have debt, but also there's cards that are 60-day due date cards. So the Amex Plum card, it's a card that allows you to go for 60 days without uh, paying it off. So rather than every 30 days you pay the bill, you can pay every 60 days. And this is very helpful to some of those people you know, running social media ads where you, know, you, get invo- you, you, pay, you run the ad and then you get invoiced and then you pay on the uh, 30th day or you, you pay and then it takes 45 days to actually see your ROI, right? You spend like $5,000 on these ads, and then in order to, you have to wait till day 45 to actually get you know $7,000 back, right? So you know on a normal card, 30 days you hit it, and you're like, uh-oh, I spent $5,000. How am I going to pay this $5,000 back? Because I haven't made my money back yet. But with something called like the the American Express Plum card, gives you 60 days. You go through, and you know on day 45 you see your money come into the bank. Uh, and you're like, all right, cool. And then you pay out the $5,000, no additional interest. You're all good to go. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks also in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.